The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is James Poulter, who is the head of Emerging Platforms and Partnerships at Lego. Hi, James. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to meet you both. Yeah, welcome, James, and thanks for joining us. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Lego. For sure. So I work at Lego, as you know, the Lego group. We make small bits of plastic for children. (laughs) Um, But no, we we really are about creating great play experiences for kids with our building system and everything that goes with that. I look after what we call emerging platforms and partnerships, which is quite a broad term. Uh, You might say, what does that mean? But what it does mean at the moment in terms of our focus is really about how do we bring new technologies as we see them developing in the consumer experiences space. So that's, you know, historically has been things like social media and things like applications and mobile and web, but now expanding to other things like voice AI, which is obviously why we're here at the voice conference in New Jersey for the voice summit. And then also looking to you know, kind of further beyond that into things like immersive technologies. So augmented reality, VR, mixed reality, immersion tech as well as into the maybe more long-term things like blockchain and how that Mm -hmm. might disrupt some of the way in which we create new consumer experiences. Great. So we're obviously here at the Voice Summit in New Jersey on July 25th here, 2018. And you're here presenting what Lego is doing on the voice and the AI side. So for the folks who have not been able to participate in this (laughs) event, can you tell us a little bit about what you're presenting here and maybe some things that our listeners would gain from? For sure. I'm speaking this afternoon as we record today, the closing keynote for the second day around this idea of artificial empathy and building solutions that have artificial empathy. And what I mean by that is a lot of the time when we talk about AI, you know, a lot of these things are quite artificial and not Mm. that intelligent (laughs) Um, as much as we like to use that phrase. Obviously, a lot of it is machine learning in many cases. A lot of it is, you know, kind of quite simple bot style Uh systems in the background. But As you begin to create experiences, particularly for kids, but families and adults as well, it's important that we build in the right type of experiences to these from a user design perspective that encourages kind of good behavior. Particularly with kids you've seen recently from Google and also from Amazon releasing updates to their systems for both the Google Assistant and also for the Alexa systems, uh, where it will help kids when they're using them say things like please before they actually ask for a question Mm -hmm. or remembering to say thank you after something or you know stopping them using swear words and other things like that and yeah we've seen that that's important because actually when you don't have a physical person to look at and talk to Mm -hmm. it becomes very utilitarian despite the fact that these are personified beings living Mm -hmm. in these boxes you know we anthropomorphize these ladies like alexa and cortana and and we can discuss later about why they're all female (laughs) but i think a problem but you know, they're all of these different, you know, kind of people that we've put into these boxes to kids. They're just people in boxes. We talk a lot about the idea of the Internet of Things. There's no Internet of Things to kids. They're just things. Uh-huh. The Internet is a completely nascent concept to them. And so when they speak to them, they expect that they're going to speak back. And maybe one story is we were just recently just traveling with my family down to a place that my parents have on the south coast of the UK where we live. And we went in to stay in their house and they had an Apple TV underneath the TV. And my three-year-old daughter walked up to it and said, Alexa, turn on the TV. Because she assumed that yeah. Alexa would be there and it didn't work. And she said, Daddy, why doesn't it work? Where's Alexa? And I said, oh, Alexa's not actually here with us today. She's at home. <laughs> 
So, you know, they expect it because it's a learned behavior. They right. see us talking to these devices and they pick it up. And it's not surprising because for kids, it's the most natural way to interface with a device of any kind, mm-hmm. whether that's searching on YouTube. In the YouTube app, you see loads of kids now in that particularly under six kind of age where writing skills aren't as developed, that they want to just talk to it because they'll get a better result most of the time. Through to obviously, you know, hearing mm-hmm. us wandering around telling Alexa all day long to turn mm-hmm. off on the lights or turning Google Assistant to, you know, kind of order an Uber or whatever it might be they just pick it up Mm. and there's no real avoiding that it's not quite the same as we experience with screen-based devices because a lot of what we're doing when we're using our screens kids don't actually see what we're doing they just see mom or dad holding a phone or a tablet and just tapping away on the screen their experience of those devices are very different to ours they're spending a lot more time in either e-learning apps or in watching youtube videos Mm -hmm. or playing games obviously a lot of adults are doing that too (laughs) uh, they don't necessarily assume that we as adults are doing Mm -hmm. those things but when it comes to alexa that's what they experience Mm -hmm. because it's out loud it's in the home and it's an ambient you know kind of shared experience Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about this artificial empathy thing. As you know, I mean, machines are barely able to have solid conversations. So when you're thinking about artificial empathy, especially in some of these platforms, which, as you know, Lego is contributing to the great content, but doesn't, is not responsible for building the AI systems. How does that work? Is this something that you guys do to build additional capabilities into the stuff you're building? Or is it something you're working with these platform vendors to add? It's a little bit of both. So one of the things that I'll be sharing at the the conference today and where I'd encourage listeners, if you've not tried it, to go and give it a go, particularly if you have pre school kids is our most recent skill that we launched for Alexa, which is called Lego Duplo Stories. It's our skill for preschool kids with Duplo bricks, which is our bricks for smaller hands, bigger bricks. (laughs) And it's really around helping kids get started with play. So it's 10 interactive stories that they can listen to with their parents Mm. and build alongside. So a story about a bird that lives in a house. So you get to choose what bird are you going to build with or what color is the bird and those types of things. So that type of experience, we could have just relied upon the Alexa built-in voice. But there's a lot of things that that adds limitations to. Alexa is not particularly great at doing kind of intonation pacing. Some of these linguistic skills that when we are you know, speaking to one another, and particularly if you're listening to any produced audio like a podcast or a radio play, or obviously from what most kids are experiencing on TV, you don't have any of those things to go off when you're just using the built-in voices from some of these products. So we actually built the system on Alexa, but we recorded all original audio and production you know, for that. So you've got the voice of someone that sounds basically like a kind of late 20s you know, female nursery mm-hmm. worker because that's a voice that the kids are going to be able to empathize much more with. So it has the right pacing. It's much lighter in tone. It's much more gentle. And also then the addition of things like sound effects, music beds and scores help make that into an immersive experience that helps have more of an emotional resonance with kids than maybe just the quite artificial you know, kind of voice of the smart devices. So mm-hmm. that's one of the considerations is really about just the content in terms of creating a more empathetic experience, something that opens up the emotions but then it's also in the user design so actually remembering that kids interact with these things in a very different way to parents kids tend to talk a lot faster Mm -hmm. if they can talk well and so alexa is not particularly great at you know kind of passing that information so you have to leave plenty of space for kids to talk before alexa jumps in and responds you also have to think about things like the way some kids if they can't speak as well they tend to punctuate what they're saying right really differently and so Uh if you're doing that then alexa's going to butt in and really annoy the kid Uh so it's all of those kind of Uh things that you have to think about when designing for children in that space so we've just got to kind of watch out how we do that Uh yeah great so you know people don't normally associate lego as a technology company they really think of them as a physical play toy for children so can you tell us some of the ways in which lego is using ai to enhance the overall experience 
Well, I think it's really important when you talk about that, it's, well, what do you mean by AI? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, which obviously is, <laughs> as you guys know, doing the show and uh, with all the people that you speak to, it's a rather catch-all term that is sometimes right. misused mm-hmm. rather than used correctly. And we have to be really cognizant of that. So AI is helping us in many places, but it's probably machine learning is helping us a lot. One is things like our Lego Life app, Mm -hmm. which is our kids' social network. We're looking an awful lot at the data that we collect in that. Now, it's anonymized. It's non-personal data, obviously, to make sure that it's secure for children. But one of the things that we do see is things like patterns of behavior. So what content is being engaged with the most in the app? What themes from our Lego play themes is that being engaged with? Do boys versus girls like certain different things? Perhaps if you know, we're finding, oh, well, actually, if you're a, you really are into, say, Lego Ninjago, but there's actually also a very high correlation of being involved in you know, Lego Friends. And so mm-hmm. therefore, we'll you know, reroute content to you. So AI is helping us in that place. As we also use a lot of AI in that system for moderation. So all of the content that is uploaded by our kids goes through machine vision, passed through one of our partners at Crisp Technologies, who are our moderation partner, mm-hmm. before any of that ends up actually being seen by a human right. moderator. Mm-hmm. And we have to do that, obviously, for child safety, for anti-trafficking, for pornography, all of those types mm-hmm. of worries that you might have running a social network for now over 2 million children. So, you know, that is a really important part of the machine learning element of that. And that is AI, right? We just right. don't think right. of it very often because it's not the sexy consumer <laughs> stuff. And then come forth all the way through, yeah, things like Alexa. So, you know, using obviously the text-to-speech and speech-to-text engines within both Alexa and the work that we're now doing for Google Home, which will be coming out later in the year. You know, those are now helping us create these new types of experiences mm-hmm. that really we can never do before. Being able to do things like interactive stories, like with Duplay Stories, being able to bring characters to life that maybe mm-hmm. have never existed before, which again, stuff that will come. And then also being able to, in the future, I hope, do things mm-hmm. like you know, create new places for parents to find new Lego products to help understand the themes mm-hmm. that we have and help their kids engage with it as well. So AI, in if you take it in that broader sense, is affecting many different parts of our mm-hmm. business and many more besides the ones that I've been able to, to cite. But I think that that is you know, the potential that if we get an early understanding of this and test and learn what can be done, then we can create new experiences that hopefully will make the play experience more valuable for kids. So I'm sure some of the more advanced Lego users might also be thinking about another platform on Lego, which is the Mindstorm, and thinking to themselves, huh, that's interesting. You know, Lego <laughs> has a robotics platform and a programmable one that people use for those robotics competitions, Lego robotics competitions, but it's not yet AI enabled. And of course, I don't want to necessarily be letting anything out of the bag here if you're working on something, but to what extent maybe you might be thinking about adding AI capability, machine learning capability to the core of the Mindstorms platform? Well, not just Mindstorms, but we We've also brought other products to market recently, like Lego Boost. Lego mm-hmm. Boost is a robotics programming solution based upon the Scratch programming mm-hmm. language and basic kind of Python script behind it that allows kids at a younger age than Mindstorms ever mm-hmm. did to program their own robots. Uh, now, there's an awful lot of AI <laughs> right there in that solution, you know, from obviously looking at you know machine vision. So we you know, have in, within both the Boost kits, but also our Lego WeDo kits that we use for Lego education, things like vision sensors, things like infrared red for you know detecting distance and things like that so we're already seeing you know those new sensor technologies begin to be apparent in the physical product now obviously in the context of here at voice yeah we've not got nothing yeah i can talk about or announce around physical hardware integration but of course it's something that you know we could see many manufacturers you know you already see it out in the market i see great products coming from things like sensible object who've just released this new product called when in rome which is a interactive board game that is entirely built around the alexa experience <laughs> right so 
you know, whether or not it will be us or others, you see already that there are beginning to be opportunities of physical product integration with some of these smart assistants and also things like augmented reality. So obviously we were at WWDC with Apple a couple of weeks ago demoing ARKit 2 and what that can do to enhance the Lego Play experience, uh-huh. which again, there's a lot of machine vision in there. There's a lot of right. machine learning in terms of working out geometries, in terms of working out angles and planes for, you know, kind of the brick and how you can bring that to life. So across all of those different places, yeah, the brick and, you know, kind of technology around it definitely has a place. Mm-hmm. So here specifically at Voice, you know, we're focused on obviously the voice technologies and conversational assistants and conversational interfaces in general. So, you know, can you share with us maybe some of Lego's approach to voice and conversational AI and specifically on the topic of chatbots and conversational technology? We know that building chatbots for kids, as you mentioned, is very different than building chatbots for adults and has very different challenges that you need to take into account. So perhaps in addition to what you've already shared, maybe some insight into Lego's strategy around conversational technology. I think it would be probably wrong to say that we are at the point where we have a strategy. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of what we're doing is really about learning the art of the possible and then articulating that in as many different ways as we can to really gather learnings. You know, we are so early. We're not Mm -hmm. even at the end of the beginning of this in terms of what could be possible in the future. As I mentioned before, a lot of these solutions are not that intelligent yet. They're certainly not that empathetic as I'm talking about here. And I think that until we get to that stage, yeah, we just don't know what's going to be possible. But in that time where the vacuum exists, we will you know, fill it with experiences to understand you know, what kids really want, what parents really want, and also what can bring parents and kids together around family-based experiences. So we've launched a number of things recently outside of the Duplo story skill that I mentioned before. We also tested a Lego 365 flash briefing for Alexa earlier in the year which we ran for a couple of months just to see kind of whether or not do people want Lego news every day, for example, which proved uh, really interesting. We saw a bunch of families coming on and rating the skill and saying they really enjoyed having these little Lego facts of the day. If you've tried something like uh, This Day in History from the History Mm -hmm. Channel or skills like that, it was something very similar where you had a little bit of Lego trivia every day, something like do you know who has had a minifigure made in their likeness twice? (laughs) Do you know the answer? Minifigure twice. Yeah. I don't know Han Solo. Yeah, so Han Solo. So Harrison Ford is okay. one of them. Oh, wow. oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Harrison Ford. Like, oh, that's good. But who is his other character? Uh, is it Indiana Jones? That's right. Oh, oh okay. Oh, all right. Do I win? Or do I win? Uh, I'll sort you out. Character. <laughs> but there you go. Right. So those types of bits of trivia, which you know, adults and kids are like, you know, it's something they can enjoy, and it's just a little bit of trivia every day. And you know, so we're seeing things like that can enhance the connection with the brand, the understanding of the brand and history, and we're thinking about you know in the future things like well what could it be to inspire kids to build every day for example so yeah there'll be opportunities there We've also done a number of things in the chatbot space outside of just the voice platforms. We launched something called Ralph last December, which was our chatbot for Facebook Messenger, which I had the privilege of working on the first version of of when we partnered with Facebook to really kind of see, well, actually, how can we help gift givers at Christmas navigate the Lego portfolio? Yeah, mm-hmm. we release anywhere between 120 to 150 new SKUs every half year. It's wow. a lot of products to navigate. Yeah. And if you aren't <laughs> that close to Lego, mm-hmm. how do you know whether or not you should be buying the Lego City Fire Station or the Lego Ninjago Green Dragon? for mm-hmm. your nine-year-old. Yeah, you, you may not know. So Ralph was a chatbot that we created, which we've now run mm. twice, once for Christmas, once for Easter. We're working on version three right now, which is a basically an e-commerce bot for Facebook Messenger. It allows you to, through three or four very simple questions, get to the right product to buy for your kid. Now, that we've actually seen has been really helpful for parents. We sold a significant volume of Lego through it. 
And the advertising spend that we put behind it was very effective compared to other Facebook advertising methods because it's so tailored, but it's also empathetic. And that's mm-hmm. the important point, right? So, you know, through the use of good visual imagery, through clever, witty language, through kind of predicting and looking at the data models that we had around the types of products that kids buy, the types of price points that parents want, we were able to get you to the right product very quickly. And that is a very different experience for building for a, a surface where you have a UX to work mm-hmm. with, where you have visuals right. to work with. It's entirely different when building for voice. Voice is, you know, a as my friend Sinner from the Vase Agency talks about quite a lot. It's a zero pixel real estate mm-hmm. technology, right? There is no visual to go with. In most cases, there mm-hmm. are now obviously, as you see, a number of devices coming out from both Amazon, Google, and a number of third party retailers that have screens. And so yeah. we're thinking about multimodal. We're thinking about how does it, you know, kind of come up on these different surfaces. But when you're designing for a purely voice interface, you have no menu options, right? You have no way of recalling things. How do you get people to use your skill again? once it's failed Mm -hmm. you know these are all different design challenges that we have to be thinking about it's entirely different for building a visual first interface there's no hamburger icon in the top right right hand corner to click on and get back to what you were there's no back button you know (laughs) even those most fundamental things that we kind of take for granted in your kind of a gui interface a vui interface you know is (laughs) a very different place Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting too that you brought up like Lego fact of the day because I find that when I enable skills, I don't always end up using them because I just forget. And, if, you know, they can't give me push notifications like other platforms can. So I don't remember to use it. So do you guys get information about what time of day people are going on to check these? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So uh, obviously in the Alexa developer console and mm-hmm. also on Google Actions, you can see the types of activity right. levels. And it's really about paying attention to that data not just time of day but also failover points so you know what are the invocations that people are trying to use that don't work what are the things that people are saying to Alexa to try and get to your skill, but mm-hmm. they aren't getting there? <laughs> or if they are, mm-hmm. what things is your skill saying back and at what point does it fail once they're in there? You know, to your point, once you've enabled a skill, you know, you're seeing a lot of marketing efforts being done both by Amazon and Google, but also by skill manufacturers to remind you what to say to Alexa. <laughs> it's like, Alexa, get me an Uber. That's a very simple, easy one to remember. Alexa, I'm hungry to get a Domino's to send you a pizza, which has actually proven to be very effective from right. their data. But you know, if it's Alexa, ask Lego to what? That's the question we have to work out for all of these different things. And then it's the navigation between them. I think you'll find that over the next couple of years, we may, if we're not careful, encounter, and not just Lego, but all brands encounter the problem that we experienced in the app stores you know, a number of years mm-hmm. ago, where all of a sudden you've got a massive proliferation right. of apps, right? You know, The guys on stage here at Alexa team share something like 45,000 skills now in the mm-hmm. skill store. Yeah. And many of those are from this, multiple skills from the same publishers and manufacturers. So at the moment, there's no way of doing skill linking. There's no way of doing navigation between mm-hmm. skills. You are entirely reliant upon the skill store for discoverability. So with all of those factors at play, how do you make sure that you get your person, your right customer to the right skill, not just any skill you have, but if you've got multiple, you know, making sure that it's, in our case, Lego Duplo Stories is different from Lego 365, is different from the Lego Ninjago, whatever, you know, as we launch more things. So that navigation problem, again, when it's purely voice only, is definitely more challenging because you don't have that visual menu to work Mm -hmm. with that you do maybe in other mediums. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because, I mean, we see these challenges ourselves. So I normally like to end the podcast by asking people this, and I think it's a good transition in. Where do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to corporations and beyond? Yeah, I think I uh, kind of build on what I said before is that we're very early 
we're very, very early in this stage. Most cases that you see of AI at the moment are you know, predominantly based in this machine learning space. And it's not really artificial intelligence in the true sense. It's right. discrete intelligence, mm-hmm. right? It's this point to point. So it's one data set being able to be accessed through some, a number of endpoints. Interoperability between those data sets is still pretty far out, particularly if you go outside of you know, our space but into places where you actually really need that to happen. Things like healthcare, things like traffic data, things like you know, record keeping for you know, identities, for example. You need multiple data sets to be able to interact with one another, and it presents a myriad of different problems to be able to do that, from privacy to security to just sheer duplication, you know, deduplication of you know, record keeping, all that kind of thing is our big, big challenges that we need to overcome. I see a lot of fruit in the early stages within neural networks. I think that that has a real potential, particularly in terms of machine vision and in this whole kind of text-to-speech, speech-to-text engine, which is just getting smarter and smarter. Predominantly, however, built on these big players owning these massive data sets, and that will also potentially present problems in the future. You know, I'm not going to predict whether or not you're going to have governments trying to you know, kind of break up some of these organizations, but I think that that rhetoric will continue to grow. But in terms of corporations, you know, we have to find ways of applying these things to make better consumer experiences, because if we don't, then consumers won't accept them. And that's mm-hmm. just the, the most straightforward way of doing it. I think when it comes to the subject matter I've been talking about, this idea of artificial empathy as well, is that also until the systems get good enough, that artificial empathy is also going to always be artificial, which is kind of an oxymoron, Mm -hmm. right? Is that you can't really have artificial empathy. (laughs) The minute that you can tell it's artificial, you lose all empathy that you're trying to build. And so it's, you know, at the moment we see it displayed in things like Siri being able to tell you a joke or Alexa, you know, kind of having a bunch of fart skills. Like, great. But, Mm -hmm. you know, these things are, are fun, but we all know that what's happening. We're all in on the joke and you see the reaction to things like google duplex where Mm -hmm. you know suddenly when you're not sure whether or not it's a person or a human you know kind of talking to you versus a assistant that's when the kind of black mirror kind of thing happens and people are like hang on a minute like we're not okay with this so i think there's a lot of work to be done by the big players and brands that are coming into this space to help articulate what we're doing with this data, what artificial intelligence actually means and where it can help, you know, things like automation, things like travel, you know, these things are going to be, you know, clearly massively disrupted by artificial intelligence. But until we get to the point where you have that more general intelligence, that interoperability between these different AI modules, you know, we're still going to be predominantly playing at the fringes of what's possible. Well, we're spending a lot of time talking about that on these podcasts. So, and in our research, and actually later on in our session today, actually, we're going to be touching (laughs) into some of this emotional uh, IQ. We actually talk a lot about that. But first, this has been excellent. So, James, we want to thank you so much for joining us in the AI Today podcast. We really appreciate your participation. I'd love if you guys would go and check out the Duplo Alexa skill. Leave us some ratings and reviews. We want to know whether or not it's working for you guys. And yeah, always give me feedback as well. You can find me at at James Poulter on Twitter as well if you want to kind of get in touch. Yes, we absolutely will. And we will make sure to link that in our show notes as well so all the listeners can rate that, please, and send your feedback back to James. So, James, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Fiverr.com. Fiverr is a marketplace for creative and digital freelance services. And in fact, I use Fiverr for quite a lot of the things that we do here at Cognolytica 
and AI today, including the editing of this podcast, the generation of transcripts, and more. I definitely encourage you to take a look at using Fiverr for your creative and digital needs today. And I have a special offer for you today. Use the promo code AI today for 15% off your first purchase on Fiverr.com. Offer valid until December 31st, 2018. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.